I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi everyone, and welcome to this awesome episode of Beauty Bosses. Today I have Jill Donenfeld and Tiana Tennant, the amazing co-founders of The Colonistas, which is a private in-home chef company and all-around culinary experience. Um, welcome. Thank you. It's so, so good to, to be, be here. here. Thanks for coming, guys. Well, we actually were recently hanging out at a dinner party hosted by our mutual friend, Nell Diamond. And um, we all were chatting about how awesome the food was. And then I discovered that you guys were responsible for said food. So I'm like not only a client, but also a fan. I must say that was a very good menu that we put <laughs> it together. It was really good. When Tiana and I attend our events, our events, we always make sure that there's our, some... our favorite dishes are <laughs> yeah. on there selfishly. Exactly. And that spinach and artichoke dip is probably one of my favorites. And delicata kale salad, so good, so perfect for the yeah. fall. Okay, so let's back up for a second. Tell everybody what the Colonistas is. So the Colonistas is an in-home private chef service. We do anything from weekly fridge stocking. So once or twice a week, a chef will do your grocery shopping, come to your home, spend three to four hours prepping a variety of different meals and stocking your fridge. So when you get home after work, after a long day, you have delicious, healthy, homemade meals already made to be put on the table to feed your family and friends. And unlike meal prep or meal delivery services, we are delivering the chef to you. So the chef does all of your grocery shop for you. Um, We plan a menu together, and then the chef is showing up to your house and creating everything in your home to really create hearth within your home and your kitchen. You come home to really good. I love that. Oh, it's one of my favorite words. Hearth anymore. Oh my god. Hang out at our office. We're gonna bring hearth back. Exactly. We're bringing it back. Yes. We're bringing it back. And, and by delivering a chef, we're able to really customize the service so you can specify whether you want organic, grass-fed, um, gluten-free, vegan, really everything. Anything specified, and the chef will do that for you. And then beyond the weekly chef service, we also handle all occasions that are held in the home. So hosting birthday parties, small dinner parties, cocktail parties, events around the holidays. Or like the dinner that you came to, which was a lot of female founders, um, just sort of gathering for the fun of it, for sort of a fall fete. Yeah, that was really great. Um, I love this idea because in a city like New York, so much social entertainment happens in restaurants because there's this kind of impulse to break bread, right? You have to eat with your friends, but it's always somewhere else. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of that is because people feel like it's hard to host at home. I mean, oh, especially, so yeah. I mean, you're working all day in your practice. You have a lot of responsibilities. You have six children to take <laughs> care of. Um, it's hard to think about handling the hosting aspect all by yourself. So that's where we come in and we're coordinating, getting everything set up so that the chef the day of is really doing the heavy lifting and making sure you have not only um, everything set, but delicious food to eat with your friends as well. And we love hearing stories where our clients come back to us and they say, it was so great. I worked all day and then I walked into my apartment when my guests were walking in and sat down to dinner with them. Like they literally did not have to skip a beat in their day. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Okay. So when did you guys start this company? 
I've been staffing private chefs for um, over a decade um, and was doing it in a very small way, really never had um, any any sort of way to scale. For me, it's all about the food, it's about the chefs, it's about the clients. Um, and about two years ago, I met Tiana, and when we partnered, that's, that was really the, the birth of what we're doing now. Yeah, I, I was working in finance. I had spent the first five years of my career in the private bank at J.P. Morgan, working with a very similar clientele that Jill was serving, um, so really understood the client. And also being just at a in the financial industry, J.P. Morgan was run by a lot of successful women, and I couldn't imagine them going home at night and preparing a meal for their family. So I totally understood what Jill was building on a small scale, and then just had the vision um, and just the experience being in a more institutionalized environment, how to scale it and grow it just beyond the couple, you know, clients she was able to serve. Tiana had such a sense of, wow, like this, I know a hundred people who can use this, you know, whereas I was building sort of client by client and had my 10, 20 clients. And I was like, that's enough. I don't, I don't even know anyone else who could use this. She really saw it much bigger. And did you basically open up your Rolodex or was it a more, more of a business strategy kind of thing? How did you grow from the 10 to 20 clients? No, it's definitely more of a, a business strategy. I think as all businesses, it starts by um, word of mouth and just sharing the concept with others who we thought could use it. Um, but from there, it was really scaling a platform. It wasn't so much about Jill being able to target new clients. It was actually her physically being able to remember how to service all of them. Yeah. Um, so we did a heavy investment in technology, which has been the backbone of the business in terms of scaling, and then built out a really great client service team that can handle the high touch Um, aspects of the service that our clients need. I can remember everything that anyone has ever eaten, but that is the extent. (laughs) I can't remember names. I can't remember who's servicing who. Um, We needed a little bit of technology for that. And so now you have a technology infrastructure and um, how big is the business? Like how would you quantify it? Well, I would say what's great about our tech is that that really is something that we we think of as powering the back end and just making us smarter. But we are still a very, very high touch service. We know that that's what our clients um, require and are sort of accustomed to. And it's also something that we need um, as we build something out that as we grow, we still want that to remain very customized. We want people to say, oh, can you take hazelnuts out of this dish? We never want to get to a point where we're saying, oh, no, that's not really, that's not part of the algorithm. You order that dish, you get hazelnuts. Sorry. Yeah. No, I like that because some industries like mine also really lend themselves to a high touch type of situation. And I think when something is very personal, then it needs to be customized. And that's probably kind of the Venn diagram sliver that we have between us as sort of, you want um, a luxury, uh, customized, personalized experience where you don't feel anonymous, where you feel like you're known. Right, and people are coming to you because they have trust and faith in you. And you know, you you are unique and different than every other plastic surgeon that is in the city. Um, and there are many of them. They're really building that trust with you. And that's that's what we try to build with each and every one of our chefs. We have, I think, 65. Yeah, we have 65 and growing. Um, the platform has allowed us to really take on many more clients than obviously an individual can. And beyond even clients, at this point, we have a little bit over 300 that are using our service. Um, 
65 chefs, but geographically as well. Um, we were in the Hamptons this summer, and now geographically we're expanding to Palm Beach and Aspen. So we're spread apart by miles and also by time zones. So we really need, needed a back end that could remember even where clients were located, where chefs were located, so we can match accordingly and make sure everything within the process was very efficient. Do you have a vetting process for the chefs that you bring on? To? Oh, massive yeah. <laughs> vetting process. Absolutely. We want to make sure you feel really good with who we're bringing into your home. You know, don't forget, they're coming into your house, they're using your kitchen equipment, creating that hearth. Um, and you, we want you to feel really comfortable with them. We want you to love them. We want, we want you to brag about your chef. Um, so yes, definitely. We yeah. screen their resumes. We do a, um, an interview with them that's really just sort of a, um, a personality check, um, like a good person check, I would say. Um, and then we bring them into our test kitchen um, and do a full culinary interview to really understand um, where their skill level is, where they might need um, improvement, a little bit of education, um, and then also really testing how we feel with them around us. Yeah, we have we give them ninety minutes. It's kind of like our our Top Chef Quick Fire Challenge concept. Um, we give them ninety minutes to cook two dishes from our menu, and most of the chefs coming in have a great resume. They're not gonna get to that point in the interview process without one. But to Jill's point, it's all about how do we feel they're in our home, they're in our office. So how do we feel at the end of those ninety minutes, and do we feel good putting them? in a client home. So sometimes when when a chef leaves and we say, "Oh my god," and then when he said this, that was so great and like we're all so excited about the chef. Like that's when we know like this is this is a really good one. We're he's going to make a lot of our clients really happy, you and know. At, and at this point, I like to like we're a culinary company, we're a service company, and I feel like we're we are becoming a hiring platform. Yeah. We've interviewed 1200 chefs crazy. in the last 13 months to get to that 65. So we put an enormous amount wow. of time so and resources that's into That's kind it. of a funnel. That's like a, a oh, yeah. competitive admissions process oh, very much. for any chefs yes. listening. Yes, we are the Harvard of <laughs> private Harvard chef of services. Private chefs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Very nice. Um, so how did you figure out your business model in terms of um, scaling while maintaining quality and also expanding? Can you just talk a little bit about how that works and um, a little bit about the financial side of things and what's the commitment for a person who's looking for private chef services. And- Definitely. One of the things we wanted to do was make it super simple and transparent. Mm-hmm. A lot of private chefs in their individual ways will price by head or pi- by hour or per meal. We wanted to make the, the model as simple as possible. So our service fee is 250 for our weekly service. And that gets you a chef who does shopping, prepping, cooking, and cleanup, and six dishes. And then from there, you select the size of your household. You have a small, which is roughly one to two people, a medium, three to four, and a large, five to six. I think you may be our first (laughs) extra large. (laughs) We haven't come across that yet. Um, But when you're a different size household, that just reflects... The, the cost of the groceries. So the service fee is 250 plus groceries. And that also allows us to scale up the size and portions of the dish, but then add in that customization of organic or please shop at Eataly. It allows the client to be a little bit flexible of the quality of food that they want. Um, so we wanted to keep that super simple. And the same thing with um, our dinner parties. The fee is 1,000 plus groceries up to 15 people. And we wanted people to feel like they really understood what they were getting when they were hiring their service. We didn't want to charge per head. And our thought was, 
maybe it's a little bit more expensive when you're having a small party, but then it's cheaper when you're having a larger. And overall, if you're using us consistently, which was our goal, that it evened out at the end of the day. And ultimately, you know, we are a service for you to uh, not think about things. We want to take things off of your plate. Mm -hmm. We want to fit seamlessly into the background of your lives. So for us to just have these flat fees, we feel like that's one way of like, you as a client can go to our site, you can look at the prices and you can see if it's right for you and if it makes sense for your uh, weekly needs or for the event that you're hosting and kind of be done with it. We don't want you to have to like do math in order to engage with like getting a private chef. And it's always a balance. We want our clients, the whole goal is a reoccurring service, whether it's the weekly or dinner parties, we want our clients to feel like they have access to a platform that helps them host or feed their families frequently but also maintain really great lifestyles and, and compensation for our chefs. We are servicing both clientele equally, the households and the chefs. So we really want our chefs to feel like they are being compensated. That's how we're attracting the best chefs who are working at ABC Kitchen, per se, um, all of the great restaurants in New York City. So we need to provide that great compensation for that. That's like a bargain to get a per se chef in your home making dinner for your kids. Um, for $250. I agree. That's kind of amazing. This summer we had um, a really fantastic chef for Carbone and there was rumors floating around the Hamptons. Did you get the Carbone chef? We had the only Carbone pop-up out there. (laughs) So that's probably true. (laughs) Um, That's really amazing. So when did you guys ever envision that you'd be in the food space? Did you have backgrounds in food or a passion for cooking? I just sort of accidentally walked right into this. Um, I grew up in Ohio having family dinners every single night um, and sort of knew the power of food as I was growing up, um, but did not realize that that was such a luxury, in fact, to get to eat with your family every night, Um, something I really took for granted. And when I moved to New York, which was to go to Barnard, I started working in the culinary industry almost immediately, doing everything from um, working front of house at restaurants, working back of house, working for a catering company, writing restaurant reviews for Time Out, um, and then ultimately cooking for a few families who I babysat for um, as their private chef. So at that point, I really was very, um, I was very into it uh, without really putting a lot of thought into, into why or what attracted me to it. Um, and then pretty quickly started staffing private chefs once I graduated and felt like I don't really want to be private chefing myself anymore, um, but I really appreciate what the service is doing. Um, and then fast forward to a decade later, I've written a few cookbooks um, that that have sort of spanned the spectrum of types of cuisine um, and, and types of occasions, um, and then met Tiana. And I would say... I don't think anyone would be surprised today that I'm, I'm in food. I, like jail, I grew up in a very foodie family where sitting around the dinner and around the holidays and, and during the week wasn't um, abnormal. And then when I was at Georgetown, I was in the business school. I always knew I would build a business background, but I spent all three of my internships in food. I interned with Giada De Laurentiis, who's a celebrity Food Network star. I cooked in a Tuscan kitchen for a summer um, in Italy, and then I spent a summer at Food Network magazine. So all of my internships were food. And then I wound up in finance uh, following this (laughs) business school, but always knew that I was building a business background to later do something very entrepreneurial in food. It's 
a passion of mine. I like to say that I finally realized after five years at J.P. Morgan that I loved food more than finance, and and then met Joe, and it was it was the right moment um, to start something new and fresh. So you're kind of like the two of you are this perfect intersection between food and business, and now here you have it. That's how we feel. Absolutely. What are your goals for the colonistas? Oh my God, so many, short and long. What do you? What would you say, Jill? Is short mm-hmm. right now? Well, I I love that we are really building um, a culinary business. Um, we develop all of our recipes in house. And those recipes, of course, can be very customized to all of our clients. But we really are building, um, you know, a culinary imprint. Um, and I think that that is, that it's very cool. It's a major opportunity. Um, and, and I've seen over the course of the year how people really have grown to become obsessed with certain dishes of ours. Um, I want to see more of that, of course. Um, and I also love the chef side. I love that we're becoming more and more of a trusted resource for many more chefs. Um, We really offer an alternative to chefs who are graduating from culinary school and don't necessarily want to work in a restaurant, and they don't want to go into editorial as well. They kind of don't know what to do with their their skills. Um, We offer really a great sort of third third vein for them to go down. Yeah, that's been amazing to see. A lot of our chefs will start by cooking on the platform once or twice a week, and then we see them gradually transfer into five days, six days, full-time basically working on the platform and, and relieving themselves of any other you know restaurant obligation they had or editorial obligation because they really want to be cooking in the home. So that's that's been fun. I would love um, to see the company expand geographically as we continue targeting new markets. And then also just this transition, um, which we're starting to go through now into more of a lifestyle brand and we're starting with food and culinary services and just expanding into product and household items and stuff that anything really that involves around the home kitchen and I would say internally um, because you want us to talk about business and the real nuts and bolts we are at such a great place with our team right now um, we've spent how many a lo- of you are there we're six yeah we're okay. six full full-time in the office um, and, you know, that was a really big thing for Tiana and myself who like to do everything, um, like to do everything a certain way um, and really want to get it done and uh, work quickly and work long hours for us to start to really build out who's going to be our culinary director, who's going to be helping with, you know, that recipe testing and that, that development, who's going to be helping with client services, who's going to be helping with our events and our partnerships, who's going to be taking pictures, managing our social. Um, we've found such phenomenal people um, that we we love going into the office every day and really getting to work together as a team. It feels like we are promoting our brand and our message um, not only to our clients and our chefs but also within to our team. That's very cool um, because you know you guys have grown very rapidly in um, in this short period of time. Um, so let's talk about food for a little bit because you're obviously both very passionate about it. Um, what are your favorite current recipes? Because I read somewhere that you have new recipes constantly. Every week you have new recipes that you're making. Yeah, we're up to 297, if you can believe it. So wow. In 13 months, we developed 297 recipes. And just to kind of give a sense of what that is, that's essentially three to four cookbooks worth of recipes. Um, cookbooks usually have 75 to 100 recipes. So 
That's a pretty major accomplishment, I have to say. That's amazing. Um, and I hope you guys make these into different cookbooks. These should be like Colonistas volumes one, two, three. Yeah, absolutely. We're ready for that for sure. Um, there, and a seasonal cookbook would be so awesome. We can do that. Like the fall. Mm-hmm. The, I feel like you could have a whole fall volume. Oh, definitely. Definitely. In summer. So wait. So speaking of fall, my favorite recipe right now um, is this kale and sunchoke uh, salad, which has roasted sunchokes in it um, and green beans, and it's such a full meal kale salad. Um, like I, I really feel like you can have just that for dinner. Um, sunchokes have like a little bit of carb depth to them. Um, that that makes it such a great light but but wholesome and filling uh, dinner. That's my fave right now. What about you? My fave has been our my fave since the start. Yep. I think it was our fourteenth recipe. <laughs> it's called Calabrian cauliflower. Um, the base of it's cauliflower, which is a concept that I love that we just do, which is we say we're veg forward, where even if you're having a grain dish, the large majority of the dish is going to be a veg, so you don't feel guilty about anything else that's in it. So this is an example of it. It's primarily cauliflower, and then it has soppressata that's sliced thinly mixed in, and it has um, pecorino romano, and it has like a great lemon citrus dressing that kind of incorporates throughout and then topped off with some red onion. It's just so perfect. And even though there's a little bit of decadency in there, that it's just so delicious. You're still getting your vegetable from it, which is nice. What are your like top three at-home cooking tips for people who want to add a little bit more pizzazz and spice and culinary adventure to their lives but are really not trying to spend time in the kitchen? Well, I would say it's just that is, is spice. Um, we work with nine sort of key spices that when you sign up for a weekly service, we will send um, to your house a set of these great nine spices. One of them is sumac, which is kind of a citrusy pepper that gets um, dried and ground. Another one is Tiana's favorite, urfa, which is um, a smoked chili pepper from Turkey that has like a chipotle, chipotle raisiny kind of taste to it. Um, and having those key spices on hand, really interesting, um, elegant spices, you can roast broccoli and put urfa on it. And it it's delicious. Yeah. The dish. I always roasted broccoli and put salt on it and stuck it in the oven for, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes and ate it. And it takes no more time to sprinkle a little earth on it if you have it on hand. And it completely transforms and elevates the dish. I love that because I feel like it's so simple to integrate so healthy. spices into your life. Spice, yeah. Spices are okay. so healthy and it's a way to add flavor without really... And reduce salt, which is yeah, also definitely yeah, Very definitely. much so. I would say the same thing with herbs. Um, any chance that you can layer herbs into what you're making, whether that's if you are um, poaching shrimp, first throw a bunch of tarragon into that boiling water um, and make like a very, very rudimentary tarragon broth, you could say. Then poach your shrimp in there. Your shrimp are going to have a really nice depth of flavor with, with just that little bit of tarragon. Or and- olive oil. Like throw a rosemary sprig 
in olive in, oil before you start searing anything and or you know putting it on your your grains your quinoa salad it really transforms we had some rosemary olive oil in the office today um and we had some extra focaccia from something that we were doing um and and we ended up just like toasting up the focaccia drizzling a bunch of rosemary evo on it and we were all like very very happily having our team meeting munching on focaccia that's awesome okay so i feel like i have new tips to integrate into my life um what are your favorite restaurants in new york Oh gosh, mine are so. I'm the worst person to ask about this because I go to the same five restaurants. No, I like that because that means they're really good. <laughs> well, it means that okay. So one, I go to Waverly, okay. which is a block from my apartment and is great lighting, and they know me, so they give me the table that I like. It has nothing to do with the food, although I do like their food. Um, but I like the ambiance. Honestly, I cook quite a bit, um, so for me to go out to eat, it has to be about the ambiance or about something that I'm not going to make for myself. Another favorite is Omen, which is very old school Japanese, and I love the ambiance there. Um, Everyone who works there is Japanese, and it's just very clean, refined Japanese cuisine. A little bit of um, sushi, but also um, noodles and uh, tempura, agadashi, like there's just kind of a little bit of everything that I love. And they serve sake in a box, which I would never do for myself at home. What about you, T? Those, those are good, and I've been with you to those. Um, I, I really love the Cipriani in Soho. I think it's one of the only restaurants in the city that really takes me back to Italy in the sense of when you ask for prosciutto, you literally get a plate of prosciutto. They don't, they're like, you don't even get a garnish. And if you ask for a mozzarella, you literally just get a plate with mozzarella. So I love the transparency of the food and the great flavor. And the one in Soho specifically, if you sit outside, it's just a great, it's a great feeling. And then I love, um, love Lilia in uh, Missy Robbins restaurant. She's, she went, she graduated from Georgetown like I did. And I think her food is just phenomenal. We're, we are Missy Robbins worshippers in our office. Yeah, we need to get to, but you can't get into our restaurant. I know. We, we're dying to go to Missy. Um, Missy, if you're listening to this. Yeah, we're ready. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Ready. I, I feel like we should definitely get that worked out for you. I know, right? right? We love okay. her so much. Okay. I hope you're listening. Um, what food trend are you seeing that you think is overhyped and overblown and you're not into it? Oh my gosh, that's a good question. I thought I thought you were gonna go the other way. I was gonna say I was so excited about seeing all the vegetables. Um, something that. What are you not into? Oh man. Well, go ahead. You just or if you're a foodie, are you just really no, into everything? No, what I'm not into right now is you can't get a reservation anywhere. So I'm not into that. <laughs> like I'm not into restaurants right now. Everyone eat home. I can't get into any restaurant that I want to go to. Well, I feel like the thing that's so great about in-home dining too is that in a city like New York, you're kind of, well, really everywhere, but especially here, you're braving the world all day and you kind of just want to go home and cocoon and like have a little sense of home and warmth and, you know, cuddle up with your kids or host your friends or hang out with your significant other. And um, I love that you guys are making home more of a thing. Totally. And I would say with that goes like we really are about spending time um, with each other and making that really the focal point. Something that I really dislike um, is is this thing that is going on with social media where people are all about the voyeurism of food um, and snapping pics of like the most decadent, the most outlandish, the most... 
ice creamy, the most cheesy um, things. And they're not really about eating it or enjoying it with people they love or people they want to spend time with. Um, And we are very much the opposite of that. We really are creating something that is meant to bring people together as the focal point. Do you make any really Instagrammable foods? Well, I mean, of course (laughs) we do. We have this dish um, that is called Romesco Romanesco. um, And it is Romanesco, which is um, kind of a colorful cauliflower-looking conical vegetable um, with a romesco sauce, which is a a red pepper-based sauce. And we do the the red sauce on the bottom, and then we pile on the vegetable. And it ends up being this really fun kind of rainbow mountain that definitely um, is an insta is an insta worthy yeah it's an insta winner exactly insta winner i like it um gosh what did really well recently to you i mean we love our insta we can't lie yeah i'm looking at it right now the one that like, we posted today the I mean, the carrot dip beautiful oh yeah carrots are great this was at the dinner now so this way. is a this is yeah, a that cilantro was really tasty. this is great citrus I cilantro carrots so sorry um, so no, that's what we want to happen. We want you to like the food. So it's a it's a bed of citrusy cilantro sauce with um, bias cut carrots uh, roasted that get piled on top with a, a bit of the small cilantro leaves. I also think our we have two really fun salads. Think pink is the first one, and think pinker is the second one. <laughs> yes. And all of the ingredients in them are shades of pink. So those look really pretty, and we, we get a lot of Yeah, those, those are good. Those are good Insta ones, for sure. Yeah, I feel like that's that could be, like, a new frontier. You could do, like, Insta dinner parties. Love it. Love <laughs> it. <laughs> I mean, we kind um, of are that. Yeah, you kind of are doing yeah. that already. Yeah. Okay, amazing. Well, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit more about the business side of what you're doing. So I know that you have this like these major expansion plans, and you have trips coming up and geographic expansion. Um, at what point in the future or in the past um, have you or will you be in the black as a company? Like in terms of making the company um, profitable from a business standpoint? I think it's always a give and take. When we expanded to the Hamptons this summer, we were in the black. Um, it's a, these vacation areas, we saw a clear need to host um, needing someone to help you host when you have friends and family rolling in and out of your doors. Uh, but that at that same time, it also encourages you as a company to expand even further. So I think when you're a company, as soon as you hit black, you almost want to turn red. So immediately when we hit black, we're like, we need to spend more, spend more it, yeah, hire more business, team. Yeah. yeah, and that's how you grow. So it's a really, um, it's a balance. And right now, like, we're hiring um, more members to the team. We're growing into two cities at the same time. So we're in the red. But we'll find a way to get back to the black. And then I think it's going to dip and ebb and flow for, for a couple years. And I would say comfortably in the red. Yeah. You know, it's, it's sort of where we want to be and where we need to totally. be. Totally. I think it's a sign of growth as long as you can really um, be responsible and, and justify that um, with how you're spending and why you're spending Um and as long as it's for the growth of the company in a really responsible way, I'm all for it. I think that what you're doing is actually potentially really interesting. And you were touching on this earlier with regard to 
um, the employment sector, but what you're doing for all of these chefs who are looking for additional or supplemental income or people who have unique family or education or work structures where they want to pick and choose when and how they're working. And this could almost be like the indeed.com of the food space, which is so cool. And one of the most exciting profiles of our chefs is the working female mom um, who finds it really challenging to go to work on a Friday and Saturday nights at a restaurant when they have a little baby at home and trying to live a normal life. So to wake up on a Monday morning at 9 a.m., and be able to cook for a family is really attractive to them. Um, so we've definitely seen an influx of applications and new hires onto the platform that fits that profile. You know, it is one thing to work at a restaurant when you are uh, 22 years old and you are totally okay with a 16 hour a day work schedule. It is quite another thing to get to uh, 10 years later and have, you know, have a little kid and, and maintain that schedule. Yeah, I think that that's really cool what you guys are doing. Thanks. Well, um, what we like to do on this podcast is kind of talk about things that haven't gone quite as well for people. So I'm wondering, you guys are have gotten amazing press. You, everyone I know is using you as um, as a resource for in home dining, um, which I think is so amazing. Um, but have there ever been moments for you guys as a company that have not gone as well as you had hoped or where you felt like maybe this, maybe this crazy idea is not going to work out? Well, I mean, we, you know, we touched on that we're, we feel we're in a great place with our team and that has been a road. It's really been a road. Which is kind of funny because the hiring on the chef side has been a breeze. Well, that's what I know how to do. A breeze. Jill (laughs) had so much experience before we joined vetting chefs, hiring the best Um, who are basically taking her place with her clients. So that we nailed immediately. Hiring a team wasn't easy. Um, Christina Preka, who's our culinary director, is fantastic. We hired her right from the start. It was great. But the client service role was really challenging. We didn't have technology, and we were bringing on very... um, really specific clients who knew what they want in terms of food, they knew what they wanted to feed their family, and it was challenging to to find the right client service associate who could take on that clientele without a technology back back end. Um, So that was a really challenging role, and it took us almost a year to find the right hire for that, and we went through a couple in the interim, um, and that was really hard. And then just finding the next the next candidates to take over social when Jill and I couldn't do it any longer, take over um, marketing and partnerships, all of those roles, really challenging. Sourcing was hard, and then just figuring out the right fit in terms, I think people think they want to work at a startup, but they don't understand how hard. I worked at J.P. Morgan as an analyst and associate where I worked around the clock, and I've never worked so hard as I have since starting Colonesis with Jeff. I totally agree with you, and you know, as a small business owner myself, with regard to not just my medical practice, but my educational ventures and skincare line and different other projects, I work so much harder now that I'm self-employed and on some level don't have to work and can choose my own hours or whatever. I work so much harder than I did in surgical residency where it's a hundred hour work week and you're like working around the clock or whatever. It's just like the JP Morgan analogy where when it's you, you really, you know, it's different. Yeah. And I mean, there's something to be said for, you know, I've always worked for myself, um, but there, but I always worked for myself, uh, solo. I had, you know, interns and I had my, my chefs who I was contracting out, but it was really always just kind of me as the business owner. 
um, and administrator and manager. But now having a responsibility to Tiana, my partner, and to our team, we really are showing up every day um, to be leaders and to inspire our team and to really grow something much bigger, far far beyond ourselves. Um, and that's where you get the many, many, many hours. That when people talk about your business being your baby, I think that this is what they mean is there's not there's it doesn't really shut off. There's always a part of your mind that is that is thinking about the business, perhaps in a way that as a mother, you kind of always have these, you have six channels um, that are just always on, never get turned off. When you're just thinking about your kids, making sure that they're okay, they're taken care of, um, you know, they're, they're fed, they're sleeping. I think that's how we think of our business. Yeah, I think that that's totally true and it's always a work in, in process. Um, when you guys are planning for marketing and growth and word of mouth, and things like that, what are the key directions that you're focusing on or what have you found to be the best marketing tools for you? Word of, word of yeah. mouth for us, for us from the start was always the best route. Originally it started just by clients referring their clients and then we started co-hosting really fun dinners um, with other female founders. And as a female founder, you always have a reason to either host friends or colleagues, your team, your investors, your partners. So we just started collaborating with a bunch of them, um, and then it kind of spread from there. Others at that dinner would want to either use us personally or hire us for their corporate events as well. Um, so that's been a huge benefit for the company, not only in terms of accessing new clients and growing our business, but also personally as founders. We only have so much time in the day, so for us it's like a two-for-one. We get to be surrounded by smart people who are also building businesses and learning from them and acquire new clients at the same time. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like that's really innovative because, you know, you you hit a ceiling with things like social marketing, which everybody's doing. And, you yeah. know, how many Instagram posts can you do? But um, but actually meeting people in person and having people experience your cuisine and talking to them in an organic dinner party environment, I feel like is really cool. Well, and it's nice when the marketing efforts are so incredibly reflective of what we actually do the showcases really do showcase look this is an intimate dinner party this is how it looks and how it feels you are making really wonderful connections with people who you're sitting next to you're chatting with a cocktail hour like it actually works to hang out with people in real life um and and come together around a table and we're and we're testing our product i mean for the nail dinner those dishes were off our menu. The chef was on our platform. We literally hired her to do our own event. Um, so it's a good chance for us to really reflect on our service as well. How does it feel? How are guests receptive to the food? How does the chef feel in the home? Is Are they engaging? It's a really good checkpoint for us to operate within and really touch and feel the product that we're offering. What's some specific advice you have for people who might be listening, who are thinking about starting a business, who may be coming from kind of a more guaranteed paycheck situation and they're not sure when to leave that? Well, I always say that if you're starting a business, it's because you really know the business that you want to start. There's absolutely no reason to become an entrepreneur if you are not insanely passionately obsessed with getting your specific idea uh, out to the world. You've got to really come at it from the um, idea point of view because if you really think that you just want to 
be an entrepreneur, start a business, work for yourself, that's only going to take you so far. We, we all acknowledge the many, many hours that goes into this. You got to wake up every day thinking, I really want 10 more people to know about this. And I think you, I mean, I was so fortunate to get the best partner. You need someone, if it's not a co-founder, you need a soundboard, either an advisor or an investor who you can really count on these. I mean, today we had an experience where I had one of the biggest highs and the biggest lows in the matter of 30 seconds that I've ever experienced. It was so emotional. And you need to- What happened? Well, we got this really awesome new client who like is a celebrity that I got super pumped about. And at the same time, we had, a, we had a chef who got sick. And it was like two instances at the same time where I was like, I didn't know you could feel these two emotions <laughs> together in this, yeah. in one minute. And so you need to be able to talk to someone about these things. It's really challenging to go through the ups and the downs of a business. I couldn't imagine doing it alone. I know a lot of people do, but I'm sure they have other resources at their fingertips, advisors, investors, who they're counting on to really help them through it. So make sure that you have that in place before you start because it's it's a journey. Yeah, the support network is so key. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. How can everyone find you? They can look at our Insta, um, at The Colonistas, uh, or they can visit our website, thecolonistas.com. And I hope everyone has a little return to in-home dining. Build your hearth. That's our vocab word of the day. And thank you guys so much. Thanks, thank Laura. you.